Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress that is trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. It's a great mattress at a very reasonable price point. Comes with a 20-year warranty and a great deal for our listeners. Douglas is giving you a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That is douglas.ca slash CanadaLand. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health here in Toronto. Cutting-edge, state-of-the-art, compassionate facility. Right now, it is Mental Health Awareness Week. This is the time when they need you most. This is the time when you can make a real difference when it comes to doing something about the mental health crisis and the devastating opioid epidemic, the overdose epidemic that we're currently experiencing, losing 20 people every day. They need your help. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help CAMH treat addiction and build hope. Police in India have set up concrete barriers and laid razor wire to stop protesting farmers from entering New Delhi. Tens of thousands of farmers have demonstrated for months demanding the government withdraw new agriculture laws. It might be the biggest protest in human history, but to be totally honest, I only really found out about it after Rihanna tweeted about it. What are the farmers' protests about? The farmers' protest that's happening in India right now is about three months old, uh, give or take. It, it kind of started in November in Punjab as a city, and it eventually became a march to Delhi, which was incredibly violent. Trudeau would speak out at, at one point about it in December. Uh, the situation is concerning, and uh, we're all very worried about family and friends. I know that's the reality for many of you. Let me remind you, Canada will always be there to defend the right of peaceful protest. And then it's been sitting outside Delhi for about two months, uh, just waiting to kind of come to a deal with the government on these farmers' bills. Currently, the system is known as the, the Mundi system, which is sold to a wholesaler who turns around and, and sells it to uh, essentially buyers. Uh, but what comes with it, uh, most importantly, is a, a minimum uh, center price or MSP. 
which ensures that farmers are getting a certain fixed amount for their goods uh, that is predictable and sustainable, which allows them to plan for every year. So the the government is going to get rid of the MSP, so they're going to do away with essentially this, this minimum pricing. And then they're also going to open up the space uh, to corporates so that corporates can then directly engage farmers and not through the Mundi system or this wholesale system. Also, that corporations can start you know, snatching up land. And then also, uh, corporations can start stockpiling uh, produce. And so the debate's not whether reform is necessary or not. It's just that this is the wrong reform and you guys didn't use a proper process. Repeal everything. We'll get back to the table. There are lots of details to the reforms. For example, the government says they won't do away with minimum support prices for staple crops. But what the new laws all add up to, according to the farmers, is the elimination of protections from a voracious globalized marketplace where multinational corporations would suddenly have the power to set extremely low prices and potentially impoverish them or destroy their chances of survival. Many of the farmers are from India's breadbasket, Punjab province in the north. And as Punjabis and Sikhs, they are increasingly second-class citizens under Prime Minister Narendra Modi's Hindu supremacist government. Hundreds of thousands of people, farmers and their families, have assembled on tractors and on foot around Delhi at barricades erected on the city's borders, where for the past two months they have been locked in standoffs with the police and the military, punctuated by violent flare-ups. In November, a reported 250 million Indians held a general strike in solidarity with the farmers. As I said, this is huge, and it's been happening for a while. But while some people, like me, may have been unaware of it all before Rihanna and Greta Thunberg got involved, Canada's Punjabi diaspora has been following it closely. Almost 700,000 Canadians originate from Punjab. Most of them have family there. Some of them still own farms there. So yeah, they knew about this before pop stars were tweeting about it. And one place that some of them went to for information about the farmers' protest was Baz News. That's B-A-A-Z. A brand new Canadian micro news organization that is basically just a Twitter account and an email newsletter at this point. It was launched just a few weeks ago by the guy who you heard just a few moments ago, Jaskaran Singh Sandhu. You've heard Jaskaran on this show before. He is with the World Sick Organization, and he works as an analyst for the public affairs agency, Crestview Strategy. But when he and his partners launched Boz with the idea of creating a space for news and opinions for the Sikh and Punjabi diaspora, Jaskaran and his team suddenly became nodes in an information network that was swirling around a major world event. An event in which Canada, as you're going to hear, plays an outsized role. The notion of the radical Canadian sick infiltrating our media and our politics in order to exert foreign influence on India and foment division and even violence. Well, it seems that this stereotype is a common one, one that holds a lot of currency in Modi's India. In its second week of existence, Baz News discovered one liberal member of parliament, Ramesh Sangha, spreading false claims through Punjabi language media that another liberal MP, Navdeep Bains, is a Sikh separatist extremist. 
And that was why Navdeep Bains recently stepped down, goes the conspiracy theory. That is not something that MP Ramesh Sangha would say to English language media. And when Baz News reported it, well, that scoop led to Sangha being ousted from the Liberal caucus. Not bad for week two of a brand new publication. And that incident brought Baz to my attention via our colleague, Archie Mann, and it brought Baz to the attention of the wider legacy media in Canada at just the right moment, right before Rihanna got everybody to notice the biggest protest in human history. Baz News Online is uniquely positioned to help Canada understand, from its point of view, what is happening in India and how it all impacts Canada and Canadians. And its co-founder, Jaskaran Singh Sandhu, joins me in a moment. Wait for it. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Tara Sturgis, Dylan McTiernan, Kate Burroughs, Mags Story, Jessica Katz, Andreas Krebs, and Eric. Hi, I'm Eric, and I'm a forestry consultant from Edmonton, Alberta. I support Canada Land because I appreciate learning about the issues and topics presented by both the Commons and the Thunder Bay series, and how they've exposed me to some hard truths about Canadian society. I've also found that Canada Land's investigative journalism, like in the Cool Mule series, has been extremely entertaining. Lastly, through my own bizarre reasoning that I still do not fully understand, I believe that listening to Jesse Brown has somehow made me into a more open-minded and understanding person, and that is definitely worth paying for. I was surprised to learn that in India's media, Canadians are scary. There's this frequent stereotype of the violent Canadian Kalistani feverish reports that these violent Sikh separatists have infiltrated the Trudeau government. What is the supposed threat that Indians are being told to worry about? (laughs) Yeah, Canadians are uh, one of the most scariest people uh, in the world, uh, particularly Sikh Canadians in India. Cooperation and coordination between Pakistanis and Pakistani diplomats has been going on. They further add that it is well known that the separatist and violent Khalistani elements carry out anti-India activities from the safety of the Canadian soil. Uh, and there's a big backstory to this. You, you have to understand kind of like the psyche of the Indian state. And, and a lot of this is driven by the Indian government. It's not necessarily like people on the ground are scared of Canadians. Uh, you know, I, I think people on the ground uh, see Canadians much like uh, anywhere else in the world. Uh, but the Indian government has has done an excellent job of kind of demonizing and vilifying Canadians and Sikh Canadians in particular uh, quite effectively over decades, actually. This is not just a recent phenomenon. But but what is the idea? Yeah, so the Sikh community uh, in particular in the 80s and 90s was at the forefront of what was known as the, the or what is known as the Khalistan movement or, or the Sikh sovereignty movement. Uh, and it was uh, probably one of the, the biggest I guess, militant movements, you can say, against the Indian state, a separatist movement. Now, it, that movement, at least on the ground, has, has changed uh, quite a bit. However, the Indian state likes to state that, uh, or these conversations around Sikh sovereignty only exist because of interference from uh, Sikhs in the diaspora, and then they like to point at Canada in particular. So Canadian Sikhs are kind of made out as a, as a, a, a boogeyman of sorts. I see. So it's this scary idea of foreign actors who are doing this uh, for, from abroad. 
So it, it, it's got like propaganda value as you describe it for the uh, for the Modi government. Is it like considered a practical problem? Because I'm I'm delving into this, and you know you're affiliated with the World Sick Organization, who just released a report, but it's well documented through Canada's media, and I was surprised I didn't know about all this stuff. Like the Indian equivalent of the CIA, the Research and Intelligence Wing had agents in Canada in the 80s who were who were spying on Canadians here and were thrown out. These raw agents, they paid thousands of dollars to Indian newspapers in Canada to influence editorial content. Our own team member, Arshi Mann, wrote a piece in The Globe years ago about how the Indian consulate was trying to interfere with a, a cultural festival in Brampton. Global News had had a report last year about how Canadian politicians were the subject of uh, Indian espionage operations. There's like active intelligence work being done here, which suggests to me that there are Canadians trying to influence uh, a, a militant movement in India from Canada. Yeah, it's tough to say whether they think this is real or not. My take on this, and I, and I think a take from many Sikh Canadians, is that Sikhs are used as a scapegoat to mask what are actually serious internal issues in India. What they first do is say, no, this is not an issue, this dissent, uh, these these problems, these grievances are actually not real grievances in India. And they're a product of Sikhs in the diaspora. And then they take one more step after that. And it's, well, even the Sikhs in diaspora, uh, the ones that are causing noise are actually funded by uh, Pakistan. And nowadays, they also throw China in as well. Uh, and of the only two states in India that don't have a Hindu majority population, Punjab is one of them, which is Sikh, and Kashmir is the other, which is Muslim. So uh, India kind of sees this as a, uh, a perpetually existing kind of threat to uh, their state to have these groups that don't f easily uh, fold into what is like this one Hindu state type identity that m the Modi government in particular is trying to push. Uh, but the Congress, the Congress government has their own history with the Sikh community. And, uh, it was actually the Congress government that attacked uh, what is the Darbar Sahib or, or the Golden Temple and committed what we consider a, the Sikh genocide. And much like, you know, Iran, much like China, uh, you know, much like other nations around the world that interfere within diaspora communities abroad, uh, India is no different. And I think uh, the mistake that people make is they assume India being a democracy, they'll never do things like this. But it's the furthest thing from the truth, especially under the Modi government, uh, who is pushing what is known as a Hindu Rashtra or Hindu Atva, uh, which is this uh, a Hindu state, a Hindu nationalism. Uh, which essentially has to erase the other to be viable. It, it's a supremacist movement. It's commonly understood this is a Hindu supremacist government. Yeah, it is a supremacist movement. And uh, the BJP is part of what is known as uh, the Sangh Parivar, right? or the Sangh family. And the Sangh Parivar is made up of multiple components. So the BJP would, would be what you consider uh, the political arm, right? like your mainstream political party. Uh, the actual anchor of the Sangh Parivar, though, is, is, is the RSS. And uh, the RSS is like the spiritual center of the Sangh Parivar. It's, it's the thought leadership of the Sangh Parivar. Uh, and it also uh, operates and controls like the militant arm of the Sangh Parivar. The RSS, by, by the way, has been banned in India multiple times as a terrorist organization. So Modi actually started off as a member of the RSS. And... If you look at the history of the RSS and its founder, they're actually inspired. And I'm not making this up. This is not like one of those things where I, I, I say this as a hyperbole of some sort. 
they are literally inspired by Nazis. Uh, they look at the handbook of the Nazis and say, that's something we can do here in India. Uh, and it's masked by this, again, uh, this catchphrase that uh, the Indian government likes using of the world's largest democracy. But the reality is, it, the Modi government in particular is, is a Hindu supremacist group um, that is hell-bent on essentially creating, again, what is known as a Hindu Rashtra or, or the Hindu state. Well, if the conspiracy theories are true and the Sikh diaspora in Canada is so incredibly influential, it's it's quite amazing what our what our uh, Canadian Sikhs have done because the biggest protest perhaps in, in human history is taking place right now. I guess that's all motivated by by Khalistani Canadians is 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 the concept. Maybe you can talk a little bit about um, how your your news organization. Uh, you've got this micro news site that you just launched, Boz. It's very new. W- why did you launch Boz? What's the origin of this news site? So. Um much like everything I do, uh, the origin of this is Terry Molesky. Um, <laughs> and, and I hate saying it because it's kind of sad because like every single every single part of my origin story starts with a man and, and it is sad in a way. You know, he he did what was uh, very defamatory uh, a documentary called Smolsa Politics. Like the title itself is racist beyond like just his content. But I was a young guy when I watched that. I was probably 20 at the time, if I remember correctly. And I felt powerless. And for a lot of folks, you know, we're, we're a product of that type of coverage growing up here. Um, you know, my parents immigrated here. I was the first generation to be born and raised in Canada. And, you know, I, I saw this type of commentary and it was like, you know, what can we do to solve this? You know, for 15 years, really spent a lot of time in the advocacy space, uh, got to know a lot of different people across the world in the Sikh diaspora. You know, it's a tight community. And, you know, it got to a point here, especially with the farmers' protests. I think acted as a real catalyst. You know, we we had this moment where uh, the diaspora was together in a way uh, that was unprecedented, and it just felt right. Like this is a time to launch it. People want to uh, start talking in more long form. That was the genesis of all this, uh, and we just wanted a home for opinions and, and ideas from the community, talking about issues that not only you know impact the sick community in a kind of a niche way. Uh, but also talk about global issues from a Sikh lens or from a Punjabi community lens. You know, whether that's Brexit, whether that's U.S. elections, uh, whether it's Justin Trudeau on vaccines, like whatever it is. Uh, and I think like mainstream media doesn't necessarily speak for us, right? Uh, if we want or even write op-eds and stuff, it, they more often than not will reject <laughs> what you send them. And if we had our own platform where we can kind of do this more freely without the gatekeeping, uh, that could be powerful. How is it covering the farmers' protest. And, you know, I, I think if it's not clear already to our listeners, you have a pretty distinct political perspective and you come at this from a world of political advocacy uh, into journalism. So what is Boz's uh, perspective on the farmers' protest? Yeah, no, I think you make an important point. Like, my roots uh, are, are activists, right? It's, it's advocacy space. Uh, and it's and it's uh, speaking for and, and fighting for sick Canadians who are often maligned to serve, you know, domestic purposes back in India. Part of that process um, has been, you know, tough over the years where uh, our community is attacked over and over again, is incredibly misunderstood as a visible minority group, both like uh, as a people, as, as brown people with turbans and beards, or as uh, brown women who also carry, uh, wear, wear turbans as well, or and often carry kirpans or uh, other articles of the faith. That's very easy to identify us as a people. And then secondly, a religious minority. And I think one of the issues that we are trying to solve with Boz is how do we start telling our own story effectively and start shaping our own narratives? And it's not necessarily 
something that you know we're, we're trying to turn around and then persuade mainstream with. Uh, it's also like an internal facing body, right? It's, it's also an internal facing media organization where we're speaking amongst ourselves, but it's accessible to mainstream if they want to hop in and look at it. When we look at the farmers protest, I think you bring up the, a good point. You know, the Indian government tries to present it as uh, some nefarious movement of either A, farmers who just misunderstand the bill uh, of the laws or undereducated, or B, which is actually a very common trope uh, within Indian media, is a result of, again, like Khalistanis that live abroad. It's, it's a result of Pakistan-China funding. It's actually imported from abroad. And it's like this ongoing trick that the Indian media tries to use at the hands of the Indian state. And it's really dangerous. Right? It, it really does dehumanize these people. And it often is used as a precursor and an excuse to then unleash violence to uh, break it up. And our goal at Boz, at least, is to kind of share that story effectively for folks here, uh, to equip folks here with the, with actually what's happening on the ground. And we have you know freelance journalists at the protest site. And then also internally, just talk about it and, and share that story internally in a way that's accessible for folks that are second, third generation here. News sites and organizations that are going to be launched out of frustration with the CBC. Um, <laughs> it, it, you know, to remind people, and this is what you and I have spoken about before, you know, Terry Molesky did this thing, uh, this report years ago called Samosa Politics about the supposed violent affiliations of, uh, of um, Canadian Sikhs and Canadian Sikhs in government. And uh, it seems like your political consciousness began there um, in this much maligned report. Malevsky is back in, in the picture of this story. I don't think that he was being funded by uh, a foreign government back when he did that report for CBC. I think he just really had his mustache and a bristle about this and, and, and was mm-hmm. sure he was right and, and remained that way for, for many, many years. But then came this um, this very strange, I think just to anybody reading it, this report from the McDonald Laurier Institute that was written like a think tank's report. But if you read Terry Molesky in it, it reads like just like kind of a very opinionated uh, op-ed, like, a, you know, just somebody with an argument. What Press Progress has uh, revealed is that there are connections here. Um, the McDonald Laurier Institute have links to this uh, a consulting firm, the, the the one that's run by Stephen Harper, which has been retained to promote trade with India. So, <laughs> I mean, this really is quite the rabbit hole to fall into. I had no idea all of this was happening in, in Canada. Let's be honest with each other. You started Boz as a substack. It's like a newsletter. You know, I don't, I don't yeah. think you didn't open up affiliate offices uh, across the country this is uh, how a lot of things started, and, and I'm no exception. It starts off as a hobby, as a place to put your opinion. But then once you kind of hang your shingle that you're that you're looking at things through a Sikh and Punjabi lens, stories come to you, and you, you happen to catch this in translation, uh, a scoop that ended up removing an MP from caucus. Yeah, it, that's exactly what happened. Ramesh Sangha, former member of parliament with uh, the Liberal Party of Canada, said something stupid and we did some breaking news as well. But like this started off as what was supposed to be just like a cathartic exercise of putting our thoughts <laughs> in paper and stop like shouting into a void. I get sent stuff all the time now and it's only been three weeks. <laughs> yeah. like, it's only been three weeks. I don't understand how I'm going to like juggle all this stuff and when to release what. And it's been a bit of a crash course, to be honest with you. 
What and size I, audience I kinda, are you playing to? Is is it just the Canadian uh, the diaspora in Canada, or are you getting global clicks? What's what's going on? It, it's it's global. It's uh it's the whole global diaspora. Canada is probably most of the audience, but I use the word most loosely. It's it's not too far ahead from uh, audiences in the UK and the US. Uh, and there's a growing audience from India, actually, especially on our coverage uh, regarding the farmers' protest. Uh, and now we've somehow become one of the few independent uh, outlets that are that are driving conversation in Indian media and writing stories that Indian media doesn't cover. And you know the, the conversation of free press in India and mainstream national uh, media there uh, is is a long one and uh, you know very compromised and, and under a lot of pressure. Uh, and so Boz is starting to fill a void there as well. But the Ramesh Sangha story was. Uh, it came about this way as well. Like someone messaged me with a clip of this interview. And now, you know, people may think I sit there and watch ethnic multicultural media, but that's not true. Uh, I don't. Uh, but this was really someone shooting me a clip of a YouTube link of um, uh, a show where Ramesh went on and, and spoke uh, very openly and frankly uh, about why he thought Minister Baines uh, had stepped down. And he essentially repeats the talking points that were driven through uh, Indian media through a channel called Z News. Uh, Z News is referred to as, is one of many outlets that are referred to as Godi Media. Uh, Godi means lap. Uh, so it's called lap media. Uh, they're lap dogs for the government. Uh-huh. And they usually are used as a channel to push state uh, propaganda. I, I saw, the, you know, the, this this clip in the Press Progress piece of, of Terry Malevsky giving an interview to a show actually called Blitzkrieg. Uh, yes. Is, is, is that part of this lapdog, <laughs> supposed lapdog dog media? So so Blitzkrieg and, and some of these other shows that Terry went on are like the, what's the one removed crazy outlet that's not Fox News in America? Uh, like it would be like the rebel media here. But I, I guess even worse, the rebel media, because like Republic TV uh, which is one of the major channels that Terry Molesky's has gone on, is in full-out cahoots with the Modi government. India's ranked 142 in the Press Freedom Index out of 180 countries, nicely nestled between Palestine and Russia. Again, uh, Ramesh Sangha was parroting lines that a lot of these, you know, quote-unquote, Godi media outlets uh, were using to demonize Navdeep Bains, but not so much because, you know, Navdeep's important to them. It's They're using him as a proxy to take shots at the Sikh diaspora. And Ramesh would, you know, often go on uh, Punjabi ethnic media and, and talk about, like, his thoughts on these things that were direct contrary to Trudeau or, or, or his colleagues' uh, points on this matter. At that point, you know, enough's enough. There's this whole universe in this world that I think like mainstream Canadian media and society just misses. Like they don't even know exist. It's like this whole parallel universe in which like folks like me and my community, but that's it's not unique to the Punjabi community live in, um, where these stories are just never told. They're not just not, quite frankly, just not understood. And like the, the context and the nuance is not understood. Uh, so we took it, we translated, we clipped out the relevant part. Uh, we made a story of it. And then the NDP got a hold of it, or one of their MPs quote tweeted it. And then at that point, it, it was too much. Like the, the Liberal Party was going to kick out this guy eventually. And, uh, and when they did, that was, uh, I guess, our big break into legitimate reporting. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
uh, it's amazing the things that we tell ourselves to talk ourselves out of getting help. Anybody who's actually gotten help knows that the process of getting things off your chest, of taking your stressors, your problems, and just like not letting them be bottled up, working through just conveying them to somebody, half of the battle is just doing that. You unburden yourself. And you know what? If you have a real mental health professional, no, they don't have magic bullets or magic words that make it all go away. But often they can help you see things a little bit differently and guide you to strategies or tools or to a new perspective that actually does help. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Because you listen to this podcast, you get 10% off of your first month at BetterHelp.com slash CanadaLand. That's BetterHelp.com slash CanadaLand. This episode is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Trust is important. There are a lot of mattress lies out there, a lot of mattress liars. And I, I, I didn't intend the pun, but it occurred to me that there is one as I was saying those words. Listen, I am not lying to you. Uh, I have uh, experienced the Douglas mattress. It is an exceptional mattress at a surprisingly affordable price point. It is a mattress that sleeps cool. doesn't have that weird thing in the summer where the mattress gets like an oven. It's a very good product. It's delivered to your house in a box. You don't have to go to a big mattress store. It is a medium firm mattress, which is what Canadians prefer, and it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. How does Rihanna fit into all this? <laughs> yeah, the queen. She's our queen. Rihanna killed it. Uh, so there's been a stalemate of sorts for the last, you know, give or take uh, 60 days, where there's been about 10 or so uh, meetings between uh, farmer unions and government, and they're, they're coming to nothing. There was a, a really rough week uh, where the, uh, the othering of sorts uh, escalated in India media, the BJP used a tried and true tactic of Indian politics, which is hired goons. Again, I'm not making this up. This sounds all crazy and bizarre, I think, for a lot of people, but this is this is actually well known and accepted in Indian society. Hired goons to attack the the protest sites. Uh, you know, every every everything they had in the books to, uh, to do this. Uh, they've essentially built a wall around the protest site and, and shut off water and food. Uh, they blocked toilet access. Like things are getting pretty dire in the last week. In comes Rihanna. <laughs> Rihanna puts a six word tweet out like why aren't we talking about this more and it's really touched a nerve in India it's been the trending news for two days and it put a lot of wind in the sails for the farmers protest because all of a sudden they have widespread international attention from people that are cool they're getting more and more like A-list celebrities of sorts and major institutions like Human Rights Watch doubling down and escalating uh, advocacy and support of the farmers. And this has crippled Indi the Indian state. They're absolutely devastated by this. Because if there's one thing about the Indian state that everyone needs to appreciate is that they're incredibly insecure about themselves. They're incredibly bothered by any sort of critique 
of the Indian state. Not like not the Indian people, the Indian state. Well, has there been a formal response to Rihanna? Yeah, there has been a formal response. I don't know what country feels it necessary to respond to a singer, right? Like it feels it to respond to like a private citizen of another country. Uh, but the Ministry of External Affairs, uh, essentially the Foreign Affairs Department of India, put out a statement in response to Rihanna. I thought you were going to say mixtape, but go ahead. No, no. Uh, that would be actually more interesting and I think more appropriate. What they did is they put out a written statement essentially saying vested interests from around the world are essentially paying and needling folks like Rihanna to malign uh, India and that we should all stand against propaganda that is being leveled against this country. Yeah, more foreign actors, more more, more uh, accusations of paid foreign actors. Again, I kid you not, Rihanna's been accused of being a Khalistani supporter uh, and the evidence that media is using is that Rihanna follows Jagmeet on social media. Rihanna has been accused of being paid by Pakistan and China uh, mm-hmm. to do this. Uh, I read through Boz uh, that Bollywood is uh, aligned with Modi. I mean, I don't know much about Bollywood. I know that Hollywood, whether it's true or not, considers itself sort of a, uh, a critic of power, of political power when necessary. Um, but it's not the case in India. No. It, it, so the Indian film culture is very different than I think what we're used to in America. And I, I think you hit the hit nail on the head. Uh, I think the criticism against um, of Hollywood is that it's it's almost always aligned with you know, left-leaning causes or the Democrats. Um, in India, it's the opposite. Uh, so Bollywood is often actually used as a tool of the governing power of the day. So this is not necessarily just a BJP thing. And even in the past, the Bollywood has often been close to government or whoever is in power at the time. So during this whole movement, um, Bollywood has never come out and in support or, or critique government actions. Even when the violent state crackdowns were happening, journalists were getting picked up and arrested for covering stories on the farmers' protest. Uh, Twitter accounts have been suspended everywhere. Uh, and not a single Bollywood actor said anything, quite frankly. The only celebrities that have come out in numbers and in strength have been uh, those from Punjab, like the Punjab uh, singers and Punjabi um, uh, actors have come out in full force for the protest movement, but no one else really. And that's irked a lot of people, right? Because Bollywood has a, a lot of power in India. Uh, you know, they're larger than life, even more so than I think how we treat our celebrity culture here in, in, in the West. Uh, the, the other angle here is that Bollywood loves doing movies on six. Why? Oh, uh, I guess it's like an interesting character trope of like the Sikh is, you know, in any kind of military movie, you'll have like six central characters, for example, because, you know, Sikhs make up a huge, large component of the Indian army uh, and are, are at least have the reputation and known for bravery in the battlefield. So let's say if you're doing any kind of movie around the army or military, you're usually going to have a Sikh character. So Bollywood loves to play these characters. But all of a sudden, they're quiet when these same six are trying to fight for their rights. And the Bollywood representations of six are not played by six? Or, the, or, or there, are, there, are there famous actors or, or are they played by? Yeah, there are six actors, but most six roles are played by non-six. So there's one actor in particular named Akshay Kumar. If you have an Akshay Kumar movie, it's going to be a hit no matter what you do. Kind of like a Brad Pitt movie or something. And Akshay Kumar loves playing sick characters. And he's done it multiple times. And his most recent movie uh, was called Kesari, which is like a historical reenactment of like a famous battle. He plays a sick character, but he dons like a fake beard. And, you know, people criticize him like, you know, you're appropriating the image, like at least grow the damn beard in. Like, why are you using a fake beard and like undermining the sick identity by doing this nonsense? Hire a sick. And if you're not going to hire a sick, 
you know, at least engage in method acting and grow in the beard. You know, like this is really lazy. <laughs> uh, so, you know, there, there's a lot of this needling happening like from some circles, but all in all, like everyone loves Akshay Kumar. Um, uh-huh. And he, he's silent through this whole thing. And Akshay Kumar has a reputation of being a fanboy of sort of Modi and, and really standing up for the BJP government over and over again. But he's completely silent on this. This is a long story, but like this is connected to this Ministry of External Affairs statement that's put out against Rihanna. The only time Bollywood speakers speak up is a result of Rihanna. And it's not saying, hey, you know what, Rihanna has a point, let's talk about this. It's quote tweeting the Ministry of External Affairs tweet and saying, this is an internal issue and we must stand against all external propaganda trying to undermine the Indian state. Uh-huh. And now all the Bollywood actors have come out either quote tweeting the MEA, the, the Ministry of External Affairs, or using the MEA's uh, sponsored hashtag, which was uh, Indians Against Propaganda. It's literally Donald Trump puts out a statement that the elections are rigged, and Brad Pitt quote tweets Donald Trump and say, guys, we can't allow our elections to be rigged. Like, yeah. That's literally the comparison. But Except that that's not a comparison because Trump never had the fealty. You know, he had a bunch of weirdos from a strange corner of the internet, <laughs> but he didn't have like mainstream Hollywood actors uh, supporting him outside of, you know, James Woods. Yeah. Well, and this is where you kind of break down a, a kind of unique juxtaposition between Trump and Modi because there's a lot of similarities and comparisons are made between the two over Trump's term, including like their tight relationship with one another. Yes, you know, Trump was uh, in bed with the white supremacist movement. Modi actually helped build the the Hindu supremacist movement in India. Uh, but like the similarities kind of go away at that point. And not because Modi is better than Trump, it's because he's worse. He's stacked the courts in a way that Trump would only dream of. Mainstream media is entirely compromised. The Economist had a report out that this is probably the worst state of India's democracy ever, even when you compare it to Indira Gandhi's emergency where she literally suspended democracy. And so unlike Trump, though, Modi actually also has the support of popular outfits within India, like your actors, your cultural centers, uh, your institutions mm-hmm. that would normally uh, you know, hold truth to power are actually in bed with the government there. And really, the enemies are, at the end of the day, minority groups. And so all this is kind of directed at minority groups, again, as part of this larger effort to build what is uh, known as, uh, again, Hindu Rashtra, like the Hindu state. All right, well, let's end our conversation where we began it in Canada. I'm learning things from this uh, that I didn't know, and one of which is that the, the large Sikh diaspora in Canada has its roots in agriculture in India. What is the take from the Sikh community in Canada on the farmers' protests? I, there's there's two things that are true right now of, of those in Canada watching the farmers' protest, and, and one is inspiration. Uh, we're legitimately inspired by our brothers and sisters back home that are fighting, and, and quite frankly, almost everyone in the diaspora still has immediate family back home, and and many of them still have land, like they still have farmland uh, back home in Punjab. So this is very personal, and they're inspired, right? Because this is effectively the first real challenge to the Modi government over their now two terms uh, in power. It's monumental. Like no one has seen anything like this. This is totally bonkers, even like by India standards. And this has really been kind of the only uh, major uh, uprising and protest that hasn't been successfully cracked down immediately. It, like it, the staying and the living power of this movement has been amazing. And, and that's why you see a lot of parallel demonstrations happening across Canada from folks in the diaspora because they're inspired. But like, and there's also another reason why they're happening, and, and that's fear. Uh, the Indian state 
has never been shy to use violence to crack down on dissent uh, and to crack down on popular movements. This is true of uh, obviously the Modi government, but it was also true of the Congress government. Uh, it's it's just the mo of sorts of how the state operates in India, especially when it comes to movements that are driven by minorities. And and albeit this is a farmers movement and it has a lot of support from across India, the face has been Sikhs and Punjabis. Uh, there's a lot of fear that the uh, protesters that are sitting outside Delhi are are going to be uh, facing the brunt of a violent state crackdown, and we've seen. And part of the the reason why folks out here in Canada and elsewhere are demonstrating is in trying to get international scrutiny is to kind of protect their loved ones at home, to ensure that they're not facing further abuse and and that they survive this thing and and they're victorious. And with your three-week-old Twitter account and Substack (laughs) newsletter, I'm impressed. I appreciate that you've been hiring freelancers on the ground, but uh, how are you going to cover this major world event? How are you going to follow this? We're going to try our best to share stories from the ground that are important to folks in the diaspora who are desperate for information. And there is a lot of suspicion uh, around major media outlets and houses in in India. uh, And the information is always taken with a huge grain of salt. And my goal is uh, with Boz twofold. One is with independent journalists on the ground, uh, we're able to tell real stories from farmers uh, and get the real reaction to things that are happening and present that to folks in the diaspora in a way that they can understand it and, and feel that it is accessible. And then secondly, for the community here in the diaspora itself, uh, going back to an earlier point I made, you know, writing is cathartic, right? It's it, I want to give the opportunity for really smart people uh, to share their thoughts and to share their feelings. Because I think a common sentiment that is shared with me uh, when I personally write or when we when we publish something on Boz is, man, you know, this is awesome. I, this is exactly what I felt, but I didn't know how to articulate. Or I knew this existed. Or I knew this, this, this tidbit was out there, but I, I could never find it or put my finger on it. And now it exists in a place that I can always reference and I can always drop a link when I'm asked questions of, hey, what's going on? Like, why are you guys demonstrating here? And my hope is uh, through Boz that we're able to provide a voice for a community that was so desperately seeking one. Uh, I guess, you know, working from home, saving time on commutes has allowed this to happen. Okay. I did not have uh, Indian farmers' rights on my 2021 (laughs) global news event bingo card, but I'm glad to learn new things. Um, Hey, I'm happy to share. Happy to share. That is your Canada land. Listen, if you got anything out of today's episode, if you learned something or heard about something in a new way, if you value what you just heard and spent some of your time on, I think it only makes sense for you to spend a bit of money to help us make these shows. And uh, I want to give you ad-free podcasts and socks and all kinds of other good stuff for doing that. There's no good reason not to. Click on the link in the show notes or go to canadaland.com join. It takes just moments to help us make the show every week. Please do it. Email me at jesse at canadaland.com. I read everything that you send. We are on Twitter at CanadaLand. Our website is at canadaland.com. And if you go to canadaland.com slash jobs, you'll see that we're hiring. Come help us make this show. Speaking of which, today's episode is produced by Kasia Mihailovich, who leaves us this week. Thank you for everything, Kasia. Good luck to you. Our managing editor is Andrea Schmidt. Our theme music is by SoCalled. Syndication is handled by CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria. 
visit them online at cfuv.ca. If you like Canada Land, please support it. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada Land and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures. And it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada Land. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada Land supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. A couple of years ago, a cop was shot dead on a deserted pier in the tiny nation of Belize. The only other person there that night was a frightened young woman found covered in blood. By all appearances, it was an open and shut case. But not in Belize, where this woman was connected to a mysterious billionaire who basically runs the place. Justice will not be served in this case. She's going to get away with it. Or will she? White Devil, a Campside Media original. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.